What's up, guys? Welcome back to the EG Pot of Thunder with your boy, the young, light-skinned Key Sweat, here with returning guest, the Natalia Perez. Hey, you get it? And we're here with... And we're here with Jonathan Milano, the man behind the eight-person, multi-million dollar producing team. He deals and specializes in residential and commercial properties. He is licensed in Rhode Island, Massachusetts, and Connecticut, baby. Let's get it. Yeah. Thank you. I'm glad uh, you reached out through Natalia to want to come on the podcast. It means a lot, and uh, I'm glad we had someone outreach and uh, saw the podcast and reached to come out, to come on the pod. Yeah, I know you guys are doing a great job over here, and uh, I'm happy to be here. Thank Uh, you for uh, taking me on. Oh, no, I appreciate it, man. Yeah, so let's get down to the nitty-gritty. This is a little bit of... um, story behind the the guest here so natalia actually works firsthand with balano so you'll be hearing that actually the real estate agent and the buyer on this podcast which is a cool aspect to have because usually you know just one or the other now we have the entire team here right yeah hey so um natalia so how did you even get linked up with balano so like what caught your attention and what there's a million different real estate agents out there so how do you think he stood out to you so you want to reach out to him in the first place. A funny story. So it was actually my first house. I had a, another realtor. Um, and I'm pulling out of my parking lot um, because they're doing showings. And I'm pulling out of my parking lot and I see Bolano pull up to my driveway. I've, I've known Bolano for a while. So we go way back. He went to high school with uh, my cousin Sasha. So I've known him since I was like a kid, basically. Um, so I seen him driving up my street and I'm just like, is that Bolano? So I hit him up. I'm like, yo, is that you um, at, my, at my house? He's like, oh, this is your house. And he was like, yeah, yeah, I have um, a buyer that's interested. I was like, oh, okay. And so his buyer was actually the one that put the highest bid on my house. Oh, so he was like, you need to. He's running up for you. He's like, it's my girl right here. Let's run up this price. Yeah, <laughs> and he was, but like he went in and he was just like, wow, like it was so nice. It's so beautiful. Like, how'd you do it? And I was just like, yeah, you know. I'm just sure. Are you, you going to tell the, the next part to it? No, I don't know what the next part the is. The next part is, uh, so we get our offer accepted. I don't know if Natalia knew it was my offer or not. But we get our offer accepted and literally 10 minutes after. They pull they accepted, out. <laughs> <laughs> My buyer decides that the house next door is too close, and uh, they no longer want to do it. Um, but yeah, that, that's kind of how we reconnected. Oh, there yeah. I am. I was like, you are super low for some odd reason. But um, no, that's cool. That's that's cool. So um, wait, wait. So your buyer pulled out, and then yeah, she ended up getting another buyer for it. And then yeah, ended up getting another buyer. I sold the house still. This is beautiful. So but just hearing like that's just it awesome was just right. it was just like to me like it, it was like destined not dead de- i mean yeah destined obviously because like we, we've we've closed like quite a few yeah. properties already together um got a, a few deals with john and john's just a show at negotiating so right, nice so but i just want to get back to real quick and like the real estate process the buying process so how do you deal with someone like where's jumping straight into it when someone puts an offer in and you're thinking yeah i'm gonna get this house we're gonna get done and then you're you know the person you're working with pulls out is yeah, it how um did you feel sir yeah how do you feel at that point you're like oh like is there something on you or do you think you did something wrong or what's like that process dealing with that so no so being in real estate you work with people and um 
sometimes people just change their minds. So you can only do so much to be proactive. So with the way that I work, I like to get ahead of a lot of the issues that we would normally face when going through the transaction process, offers, etc. And um, for whatever reason, this one, um, I think the guy's wife loved it. And for whatever reason, he had this thing against houses that were in his eyes close to one another, which this house was not. But um, to him, it was like that. And I guess his wife had made him feel pressured. He didn't actually think the offer was going to get accepted. And when it did, he was like, oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think that happens often when people are just like, I hear this throwing bullshit offers and then they don't really mean it? Is that, is that a yeah. common thing? Yeah, it's unfortunately a very common thing. And I think that a big reason behind it is because people aren't being proactive and doing certain things that they need to do up front. Um, my buyer consults take care of a lot of those issues and get people talking about all the things that they're looking for, then their needs versus wants and um, what's important. But it, it puts like husband and wife partners in, in the same room. And I pretty much just call them out against one another. And I say, hey, what do you want? What do you want? Let's have this conversation now um, instead of doing it while we're out in the field. Uh, trying to get offers accepted because this, it gets very convoluted at that point. There's mm -hmm. so many emotions happening. Then you're trying to think of things. You got your kids running around in the background or something else is happening. And you never have that moment to really sit down and put it all down on paper. So I take care of that then. And because of it, we, we normally have people out one, two, maybe three weeks. And then they're getting offers accepted. Nice. So, um, so say <laughs> that was her reasoning to reach out to you. So what's your process? The so Natalia reaches out to you. So you're having that talk off the back because I've dealt with other people like, um, you know, in the in real estate where, hey, I'm interested in a house. And it's kind of pretty much just like, OK, well, let me know when you want to go to when you want to attend an open house. Are you just doing that or are you having those talks immediately so you know you're getting to know your buyer more like personal? So when we do that initial consult, we are really getting into the personality of the person and trying to understand who they are. So. Um, in this world, as we know, HHGTV and everybody's talking about being an investor, even baby giraffes are investors all of a sudden. <laughs> um, and so with that, uh, people come into this with this false perception of what it actually means to do this. Um, and so what I try to do is when I first sit down with them, I'll have a conversation around uh, not so much letting them know. So if you guys are watching this and ever do work with me, you understand my trick now. But I, I ask certain questions that are like qualifying questions to are they ready to be an investor? Mm -hmm. Are they more residential? Um, and just get past that entire thing right there. Um, and depending on how they answer, I come out and I say, I don't think you're ready for this um, because your mindset's too stuck on the emotional side of buying a house. Being an investor is all numbers based. There's nothing else, no other way to it. It's just it's all numbers. Um, the numbers tell you everything. And if you're not going to think that way, then you're not ready for this world, at least to be serious. Um, so how, when he's asking these questions, he kind of told you a little secret beforehand. So, um, were you feeling like any type of way you're like, am well, I too emotional? Am I just about numbers? What was your mindset going into your talks with Balano? Well, I think it was a little different for me and Balano because me and Balano already know each other. Um, and honestly, yeah, it went really different. I, I feel like we didn't really have like what like that type we of conversation, that, conversation, that at consultation like at all, because I just remember I was on Zillow one day because like that was just how I like looked for properties. So I was on Zillow one day and I saw a property go up. It was like up for like three hours. I knew the location. I saw the numbers and I just called Bolano. I said, get me in there like right now. I'm buying it. Yeah. Was that and the one in North Providence? That was the one in North Providence. Yeah, put that and he was like, are you sure you want to, you don't want to look at it? I'm like, no, I don't want to look at it. I'm going to buy it. He's like, no, you have to look at it. I was like, sure, we can look at it, but I'm buying it. So, I mean, <laughs> you know, you're right here in person with each other. 
if you can hurt her feelings if you want. Do you recommend that though in the dealing process? Like you like, so, how's your thoughts when she's saying that? You're like, okay, she's making a mistake. Did you even see at that point? What's your thought process behind this? So what I ended up doing is I just ended up having an honest conversation with her that right there at that spot because obviously at that point I knew that she had not done any investments really. She had worked on her home that she had lived in, um, but that's all her experience was. And so well, I just came I out. I had the other one, remember? I had the one in Pawtucket. The oh, see, but the, I wasn't in par yeah, with yeah, that. Yeah. I didn't oh, know yeah, about he wasn't involved yet. in those. Yeah. So I had had like projects that i'd done but um i didn't know about he wasn't at the time. he wasn't involved in so those projects i just asked her questions to say like are you sure you're ready for this type of risk because that's what ends up coming down to and you don't know what's going to happen and um after having the conversation i realized how freaking serious she was and um she doesn't back down to anything um she just takes on every challenge that she sees and just dominates it and i seen that early on through our conversation and so i was like cool let's get this done and Lo and behold, what did she do? She she went in. She experienced a lot of issues, things that were not expected. Um, but she but is that me. some of the stuff that you were warning her about, though? Yeah. yeah. Now looking retrospect on that, are you like, damn, maybe I should have listened to his advice? Or do you have any regrets on that point? Or just all learning experiences? No, it's all learning experiences. Part of the process. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, obviously, I ended up spending more than I expected. Um, but it wasn't even that much more than what I expected. It was just because... Um, the way uh, the inspection went by, uh, we weren't able to get to one side of the building uh, because of the tenants and they had all of their items there. So it's not something that like we could have even like foreseen like at all until everything was removed from the basement. Yeah, the basement was hoarded completely. Completely And they hoarded. put all so, the stuff in a spot that all had all termites. Exactly, like termite damage. So there was no way for me to even be able to see that like through an inspection because everything was blocked. So for that's that was that a flip or was that a regular house? That was a flip. Mm-hmm. So is flips you're allowed to do uh, inspections? <clears throat> yes. Yes. All every, properties. Every, yeah, all, every property. Everything. That you look at. Hmm. That's intriguing. So um, yeah. So that's so you had no regrets on that at all. You don't even wish you would have walked in at all or doing any type of research beforehand, like Blano was saying, trying to warn you about. Um, no, because in my, from my mindset, I had the research, I knew the location, I knew what it would resell for, I knew how much work I would have to put into it, I already had the numbers in my mind, so... And she also puts in the contingency, like that missed that error, mm. so it's like maybe it's a 10% error, so if you are assuming that it's going to cost you $70,000 to do this work, you've got to anticipate that there's going to be another $7,000 that you're off, and then mm-hmm. just upgrade that to like another ten. So now it's $80,000. And so if there is that problem, like what she faced, there's that little bit of extra cash just sitting there to take care of those issues. So what are the talks to anybody watching who wants to do a flip? So what's that process opposed to buying real, uh, buying like a regular, you know, one family, two family, three family home? What's, how does that differ from wanting to do uh, flips? All right. So that um, the way that if you're trying to... Uh, we're looking at uh, the person looking to do a flip. Yeah. So, like, how's that differ? Like, what's your conversation? How's that? Well, so flips are quick. They, you want to be in and out of them within three to six months. Uh, three months minimum. Uh, and the reason why I say three is because most of the buyers out there are FHA, and you run into issues. Not to get into too much detail, but you run into issues if you try to sell it before three months. So three to six months is when the time frame that you want to be done with that property. Um, so you got to look at the ARV. ARV is the after repair value of the property deduct what you're paying on the property, what you, how much you want to make off of it, how much you think the work is, and see what those numbers look like, um, amongst other things like interest and holding costs, 
Um, and you come in, you have to discuss those. I mean, you as the investor need to know these things up front um, in order to make sure that these deals are working properly for you. And everybody's numbers are a little bit different because some people are contractors already. Some people have family that can do things. Some people have to hire people out to do it, so it'll cost more. Um, so, I mean, you're saying a lot of terminology people may not know. So if you want to break down, like, you know, we have a, we have a whole other maybe 50 yeah. minutes in this podcast, so we can go into the details of it. So I'm not sure if Natalia was, Natalia or anybody watching this is, you know, they want to do flips. Everybody wants to do flips. Like you said, everybody wants to be an HGTV. Everybody wants to be the next, the next, next real estate guru. Mm-hmm. So, but a lot of people probably don't know any of those terms you're saying. So are, is your team helping them out or is that just on Natalia to do her research? You come to, if you know what you're doing. How's that, how's that come about when you're having that conversation? So we give them a lot of the tools to get started with this stuff. Uh, we show them websites and give them information so that way they can start researching and doing this stuff on their own. But at the same time, our whole premise is to educate our clients and make sure that they're the most knowledgeable people out there in the market. And what that does is it lowers your um, chances at getting buyer remorse. So after they purchase a property, it's like, oh, crap, I can't believe that they talked me into this because I never want to have that kind of um, reputation. Um, so we do a lot of the education stuff up front. We go over all the numbers. We go over all their questions. Everything's based on their questions. They take care of 80% of the conversation. And then we're just there listening, trying to understand what are they really saying to us. So that way the conversation's more beneficial to them. Gotcha. And so did, did you know going into this process anything or are you learning on the, on the fly? Um, I already had experience um, beforehand. Um, was even that first one, you know, that's before Bellano, but when you're going that one. Oh, the you, first one? Yeah. Well, my first one was different because um, when I first purchased my house, it was for myself. So I um, I went through like, the first time home buyer process. Um, so with the first time home buyer process, I was also able to get um, down payment for um, the down payment like uh, from. Zero percent financing from Rhode Island Housing. From Rhode Island Housing, yeah. Um, I got that help. So basically, I, w- I was only I only had to put like maybe like three thousand of my own money down on the house. Closing costs. Um, for the yeah for the closing costs, and um, I just bought that house for myself, and I knew it needed work, and I was just fixing it little by little. Mm. Yeah. Um. So while fixing it little by little is where I was able to get how much it would cost for material, how much it would cost for labor. Um, and that's like, that was my learning process cause I owned the home for about three years. Um, and then I sold the house and then with that profit, um, with that, with those cop- the capital gains that I got from there, that's how I started getting into flipping. Mm-hmm. Um, so I started small, I started first with a, um, with a trailer and then I started with, uh, subcontracting, um, a single family house, um, uh, for my, um, partner at the time um and that's how i continue to to practice and learn numbers late in like the cost of everything so i already had like um some more experience like on my back uh before i got into the two family flip which is the first um deal that i had with um bolano right so hearing that story like the her development into her real estate doings what what trajectory would you recommend? Do you have any recommendations for anybody coming in brand new? They don't know anything. What would be your recommendations? To like, say I'm John off the street, and hey, you know, I want to get into real estate. People tell me it makes money. What do you, you know, what's that conversation like? As you? an investor. 
as an investor? Yeah. You know, what's your thought process? Like, the, what's, the, what's your advice? So the best thing to do first is find a good real estate agent um, because a real estate agent is going to act almost like the quarterback to everything. They're the ones that know who to pass the ball off to for what you need, um, especially the way that I run um, the Blano team. Uh, we pretty much put together in packages for everything that you could need from the start all the way till long after you've purchased the home. So you're never left by yourself. So start there. Um, realtors are going to have access to great lenders and great attorneys, inspectors, uh, contractors, etc. Because we're in the business. We're doing this every single day. We're circled uh, around by these folks on a regular basis. Um, so get connected with a good realtor. That'll connect you with a great lender. As a first-time home buyer, you can leverage the Rhode Island Housing 0% down financing. They still have that right now? Mm -hmm. Yes, they do. Um, so Isn't there a new one that just came out as well? They have like, I've seen it like on the news, right? Isn't there a new like, like yes. motion coming out, right? Yes, but I haven't. my clients haven't been using these tools as of late, so I'm not the most privy to it mm -hmm. right now. Um, a lot of the folks that I've been working with have been doing the 3.5, 5% uh, conventional, 10% conventional um, financing. So gotcha. I'm not too privy to the Rhode Island housing stuff outside of that 0%. Gotcha, makes sense. But um, you can use this Rhode Island housing. If you want to be an investor, you go get a three-family first, um, and then you start your, your stuff with that. And the realtor will walk you through what that process looks like. Um, but a good lender will take care of a lot of that stuff for you as well. Uh, th so the 0% down, what that means is that you're not putting any down payment on the property, uh, which means that you don't have to put anything down with a loan. So normally you would have to put, let's say, you're doing $100,000 uh, loan, you have to put $10,000 down, that's that. But they're going to cover that for you. So the only thing left is this thing called closing costs. Closing costs pay for your attorney fees uh, and other things that go with purchase of the home. Um, but you can sometimes get the seller to pay for that. And so if you have those two items taken care of, you could technically be inside this house for zero dollars. Yeah, when I closed, I didn't pay. It was nuts. Right. Right. So is there like a timeline where that zero percent is like, is like gonna go away at some point? Like, do people act fast or um, don't know when the money runs out, it runs out? Yeah. It, it when it comes, it comes. When it goes, it goes. Um, and it's ever shifting. So you, you know, I'm not trying to put the pressure on people, but like, if you're interested, you should probably get the the process rolling at some point. Right. Gotcha. Right. Yeah. So um, she said three family first, and then what? Go to like a two, then a single, and then that process down or can you go from a three can you do a flip right after that what would be your recommendation to someone you know that so you, they bought three family they like it you know the see the kids kind of making money mm -hmm. and they kind of get hooked kind of like natalia did or what do you recommend after the third that three family are you recommending something else or so it really comes down to who that buyer is and trying to figure out what's best for their particular situation because we're, we're fitting the process to the buyer not the buyer to the process gotcha yep. do you feel like that's that where other maybe agents may go wrong where other teams may go wrong where they're just kind of leading the, the person to whatever they're saying and you're not they're not really getting any guidance that that happens from time to time but we have a lot of great agents in rhode island that don't operate that way um but uh, yeah sometimes you'll get stuck into a position where you'll feel like you're getting pressured into a property um it's definitely happened but uh if you ever feel that way you can always just walk away and go to someone else or just say something up front um like hey i don't feel comfortable with this but the best thing to do as a first-time buyer whether you're an investor or just going to be purchasing for yourself is knowledge uh read surround yourself with people that have done it before that understand it be careful for bad information though um because that can actually like set you 10 years behind on ever purchasing anything at all. Um, I know a lot of parents like to warn people of like all the worrisome things, but again, if you have a good realtor, you have a good inspector, you have people that are there to have your back, you're gonna be all set. 
So do you have any like any examples of what would be like something that would set you back 10 years? Have you seen that firsthand? What, you know, what examples do you have in those? Cause I, kinda, I, I don't know really what you speak over on that aspect. So it's sometimes parents will come in and they want to protect their kids and they may have never been a homeowner, but they know of an uh, uncle's baby's cousin that had a house one time and it flooded and they come up with this elaborate story as to why you have to worry about flooding in a basement and why it's like the worst thing in the world. And then they do everything they can to find ways to make that house fit this flooding example that probably is a one in a million dollar, like million chance of ever even happening. Um, and we run into those things. It's, it's just, they're these bad stories that are, um, what's the word I'm looking for? It's, uh, uh, just like, like an anomaly or yeah, never that, that happen, just, like. they've barely ever happened. Like I've owned four properties in the last four or five years and the things that went wrong in the property were all things I already knew were going to happen. And it really wasn't that big of a deal. Um, it, all the way down to like a, an air conditioning whole entire system in a, a decent sized house that blew up. Oh, um, well they got clogged, but, um, it's another story for another day. So, um, yeah, so you really just depends on what the person can afford. depends on what their personality is. So you're not pushing things on people. And this, this is what no. you're saying. So like, like you said earlier, though, there's a million different agents around some really good ones. How do you like, I guess you kind of already said it before, but like, what would be your, this is your IG clip, right? How do you yeah. differ yourself that opposed to other agents in Rhode Island? Like, why should they come to Bolanos and other people? Well, we're honest. We, we're not here to push you into anything. I don't play that game. Um, I think it's a short game, and I'm in this for the long run. Um, my entire business is built off of referrals, and you don't get referrals by screwing people over. Um, so my idea is to take best care of everybody, give them as much information as possible, and allow them the opportunity to make decisions with good information. Um, and really, the, the most important thing is at the beginning, just listening, just shutting up, asking the right questions and letting the client just say what they need to say. So that way um, you can truly hear what they're trying to say and not that, that top level layer of what they're saying um, and dig down into the details from there and just ask good questions like you're doing here. So, um, so how did you, so that was, you know, the agent saying that mm -hmm. as the buyer and the investor, how did you feel comfortable and what made you make the switch over from your previous one? What do you mean? Sorry. Like what, well, like you said you had a previous agent beforehand. So uh, what made you like feel comfortable? What was said as different? Like what made you feel comfortable to make that switch over to Bolano and now do multiple different properties with, and do multiple different projects with him? Uh, what made me do the switch was um, I just had um, a relationship already um, with Bolano like beforehand. I just, I didn't really like realize that he was a realtor at the time. Um, so I just ended up going with a realtor that was um, a friend of a friend's. Um, and she was great. I have no complaints about her. She did a great job. Um, I just felt more comfortable um, with Bolano and I just felt like he was very on top of everything. You know, because like I said, the that um, two bedroom, which was the first, I mean, that two um, family, which was the first deal that we closed together I literally like I said I saw it it was on Zillow for three hours I told him I want to see it I was in that house the next day and I would not have seen that with any realtor because I've worked with more than one realtor before Bolano I, I worked with the realtor who closed my first house and I also worked with the realtor who helped me find my first house and it wasn't that experience you nice. know what I mean yeah, but for me for sure. it was more um it was like 
more like effortless and I could trust him and I feel like he was just on top of everything and had my best interest. Um, so that's why I just continued the relationship with him. Um, and he's my go-to realtor. Like I always say, like if I have any questions or if people ask me, like if they need a realtor, I will refer them to Bolano. Nice. What's up, man? How do you distinguish like, um, navigating through the business relationship with friends? Do you have like a preference with someone you have a previous relationship with or new someone right off the street, John off the street? Cause, um, you know, sometimes it can be maybe hard to make that business relationship with a friend. Sometimes, you know, people can't take you serious. Have you ever dealt like that way? Is there any, do you have any, you know, like, Lost in that aspect of the business relationship with people. So uh, what I do is, and this is part of the process also. Um, I sit them down right in the office, and I have that heart-to-heart conversation. I come like this every single day. I just got out of a. What it, would this be? It's what ten o'clock at night. I've been at it since eight a.m. So I mean, it's just this is what I've done all day. Um, but anyways, it's just bringing them into this place, letting them know what. I mean, just by sitting down with me for five minutes, you already know that. Um, it's all business when we're here. We're friends outside, but there's there's two worlds, and I set that it's boundary hard. very quickly. Mm-hmm. That listen, when we're in this field, this this is the way it is. Like I, I'm the realtor. This is like you just you have to set boundaries with your folks. I guess you could say. No, for sure. Yeah, I mean, I definitely uh, see where you're coming from on that aspect. Have you have you ever had any issues dealing with that? Or, no. So no. friends and someone you don't know off the street. It's the same for both people. No, everybody's been very respectful. Um, they, I think that um, after sitting with me for a little while, people see where I'm coming from and what I'm trying to put out there. Uh, and I haven't had any issues to date, knock on wood, um, for anything. Like Natalia and I, um, I, don't, I don't even think we butt heads at all. We're almost like BFFs. <laughs> nice. Yeah, nice for sure. So um, getting back in like the... you know. We kind of jump straight into business. Right. People love hearing. All like, serious. Yeah, all serious. And, um, you know, hearing, like, being, like, your own entrepreneur and being, owning your own business at this point, which is dope. I love that. I love putting, like, supporting uh, small, small local businesses. Well, I say small at this point, but local businesses doing their thing. Mm-hmm. I did not know you went to St. Ray's, first <laughs> off. But, um, so St. Ray's alum here, baby. Let's get it. Yes, sir. Um, so, so, what, did you ever have those, like, what was the thoughts when you were a kid? Like, did you always have that ambition? Like, I'm going to own my own company at this point. What was like your, you know, how'd you get to this point? Like, where was like your moment of like, damn, this is what I want to do. And this is my life calling. So hindsight's 2020 and growing up, I didn't realize that I had the inklings and these little things to me that, uh, screamed like you, you want to be an entrepreneur. Um, and I kind of just went with what the family told me. It was like, go be an engineer, go be an engineer, go be an engineer. So is that what your background is in engineering? Yeah, so yeah, I went to URI. I graduated with a computer engineering degree and a minor in math. Oh shit! I don't engineering at URI is tough yeah. too. So I worked for the Navy um, for electric boat first for two years, and then for the Navy for I think five or seven years, um, working as an engineer okay, doing things so, on submarines. Sorry, working on submarines. So yeah. you went to URI first, and then the Navy. Yeah, I, I wasn't in the Navy, but I was a civilian employee for the Navy for mm-hmm. the federal government. Gotcha. So, so you went to Saints. Did you do TD? I don't know. TD? Yeah, I was a oh, town development TD? kid. Oh, nice. Of course. Yeah, baby, let's get it. Uh, did not know any of this beforehand. So That's what was like that? Like, So you're going to TD, to your eye, just to please your parents, is what you're saying or no? Yeah. Yeah. At the time, it was just because it was what I was told to do and what it was the right way to do and live life. And I was not going to make anything of myself if I didn't go to college. 
And get an education. And get an education that I paid $100,000 for. That's not, even with TD? That's nuts. <sighs> well, I was there for seven years. Oh, shit. I'm not a good student. <laughs> <laughs> so... So you're from Pawtucket, or are you from Providence? Pawtucket. Pawtucket. So Pawtucket, you didn't go to Holman and Shea, and then going to St. Ray's. It was so. Was that like your parents thought, like, hey, I want to get you into a good Catholic school? At that point, definitely too. Even when I was there, yeah, they were like, just doing like their the, best. Yeah, they were just trying to figure it out, just like the rest of us are, even to this day. Um, trying to do the best for their kid because you gotta remember the life that they grew up in was a whole different world than what we're growing up in, and for them, that was the answer. That was the way to to wealth. Um, and this idea of uh, entrepreneurship was like a, a shot in the dark. You can easily fail. They, they looked at it like our parents all look at it like sure. going to California and trying to become a singer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's like 100%. Yeah. It's so, uh, common, like, you know, especially with Hispanic parents, like, oh, no, we want you to be uh, in the medical field or mm-hmm. it's like uh, the biggest yeah. thing, you know, it's like, oh, we want you in the medical field. Doctors don't go out of style, but it's like, right. yeah, that's cool. Like, you know, don't get me wrong, but. Is that know. my passion? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's definitely my passion. Like, definitely wasn't my passion. School. Yeah was tough for me. It's not too often. Like I was got great grades and shit like that. I just didn't care. Like I went when I was at Saints, I did not care at all. I was about playing football, track. Oh, you were football? Yeah, football. Yeah, going on my boy like going on my boys party, you know, like mm-hmm. living life. Honestly, like your ride didn't even go onto my radar until like senior year. I'm like, I know like you like you guys, like mm-hmm. I guess I'll do it. Like yeah. especially with T D it's like, oh, why not? It's gonna be like free at this point. That I mean, was the like, only place I applied. Yeah, well, no, I, I applied other places, but when I was accepted by the TD program, I was like, well, they're going to pay for Things. half my tuition. <laughs> if I go to Florida, I'm going to be in hella debt. That's awesome. So I was like, yeah. all right, well, I'm going to go here. Shout out TD. <laughs> That's exactly, I, I applied to JU in Miami. I'm like, if I'm going to go somewhere, I might as well go to Florida. Yeah. Got the congratulations, like the acceptance letter from your ride. I'm like, pfft. All day. Yeah, exactly. All day. It's not even a question in my mind. Yeah, I applied to a few other places, but when I got that acceptance letter from TD, I was just like, eh, my parents ain't paying my bills, so. (laughs) So, yeah, so like what? So your middle school, high school is kind of just the typical, you're going to school, you just party, have a good time with your friends. You had no mindset, like ambition, aspiration to do anything. You Mm -mm. You had no plan at that point. No, I actually had zero ambition for a little bit of time after college. Um, and it wasn't until I had my first son, um, my oldest, uh, where my life kind of triggered. And that's where I went from working at CVS at their call center to getting into uh, electric boat. Um, that path took me into the Navy, uh, which then led me through a few relationships. And my last relationship um, led me into real estate. And it was just supposed to be vacation money. Um, but then I realized how much I loved it. And I grew very passionate very quickly. Um, and it became how- almost like a little obsession. Nice. So definitely get to that point. But the engineering, why did you, you why did you choose engineering? Just because like your parents like I, I like math hovering your head over your head and you're I'm, just like I'm good at math. That's really what it was. I was at, like the starting point was I was good at math and I like typing. It was a very naive mindset. And then also <laughs> you're like, engineering, I, fuck it, let's get it. Typing, <laughs> <laughs> let's get it. Well, I also wanted to get into IT. So my the because I wanted to be able to interlink um, servers, routers, and all that other jazz. Um, together and when I got into my junior year of college I'm like we haven't touched a server yet like at what point do we do we learn these things I'm I'm over here programming these green boards with these little chips but I I don't see how this correlates to servers servers and 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 big loud and shit like that yeah and that's where I realized you screwed up John (laughs) (laughs) so I just finished it off I got it done um I got the degree um 
C's get degrees, and uh, I, I, I got D's out. C's get degrees as well. Yes. Get degrees as well. <laughs> but um, so looking back at all that, do you think that majors of the person who you are? Do you have any regrets? Like, do you wish you nah. could change like trajectory, started earlier? So if it wasn't for that, so I'm also like called ADHD and all that jazz. Um, but if it wasn't for going to college. Going through the lessons that I did, I started up a, an organization when I was at college called uh, Exposure. That was um, you? Oh, yeah, wow. Yeah. So I, I started that. Um, and running the events, running that organization, we had 75 people all three years that I was doing it. Um, that all led me into becoming the guy that I am today. It, it pushed me to meet people to actually look into the ADHD thing. I got prescribed Adderall for a year. While I was on Adderall, I hated it. And so I taught myself how to cope with beating ADHD, which is basically just organize the crap out of my life. I have to do notes and a calendar that I showed you guys earlier. That's absolutely obnoxious. Um, and that's how I get through it every single day because my brain's always like firing. So I can easily just pick up my phone, drop in a to do thing and then push it to the side and forget about it. So that way my mind can focus on the things that are actually important. And then when the end of the day came, I would uh, just reorganize what did I accomplish, what did I not accomplish, and what was actually just crap. I don't really need this. Um, so college ended up leading me through a lot of good lessons and a lot of growing up moments um, in order to get to this point where I can run a team the way I am today um, because we're, we're extremely organized, we're process-oriented, we have systems in place for everything, there's systems for our systems. Um, that way things are streamlined and our clients can just have an amazing experience. That's what's up. Yeah. So, so you, you really, uh, appreciate what your parents did off did for you at that point. Though. Oh yeah. Hell Looking yeah. back in hindsight. Yeah. Even if they, what they did was wrong, they did it out of love and they did it cause they cared. And, and like, can we really be mad at them for that? No, no. they did the so best it's they like, could with what they knew. Exactly. Yeah. And so I'm, I'm proud of them for what they did and what they were able to accomplish. My father used to work 130 hours a week oh, between, sh- three different jobs, put my mom through college. Then my mom got out of college, became a teacher over in Central Falls. My father still worked crazy hours. And so, you know, they were just grinding, hustling, just like we are here, trying to make it work and do what's sure. right for their family. So, you know, did, would you look up to them? Would you say like they're your, like your motivation, like your heroes? Do you have, would they be one, like two of multiple or who do you have? Like, who's like your aspirations like growing up or like your idols growing up so those are my parents i mean if it wasn't for their work ethic and me growing up seeing it all the time i wouldn't be able to be here right now i'd be in bed watching netflix with a bag of popcorn on my belly um wait until i fall asleep so i mean i i I think that they were the best role models a a kid could have i guess um yeah yeah that's definitely you know a lot of people don't you know Think about that or give like their parents or whoever was like that person growing up flowers. But, you know, I'm sure, you know, if they listen to this, they'll appreciate well, that. We all forget that our parents were just growing up too. Yeah. While they were raising us. And a lot of them didn't know what they were doing and they were making mistakes. I'm a father of three right now. I make this mistakes nonstop, but I do it with nothing but love for my kids every damn day. Um, I'm not perfect. I do stupid things. I say stupid things. Sometimes my kid, my oldest calls me out. He's like, dad, that doesn't make sense. I'm like, go to your room. Well, I think about this. You know, uh, fact, yeah, you probably have like the, your parents in the back of your head. You're like, damn, now it's how I felt. That's how, how, how you felt when I was into you. <laughs> now it's coming back full circle Seriously. to me. Shit. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. So, um, I don't even think I've ever I've asked you that before. If not, we'll retell it again. Who would you say your idols were growing up? You don't have to say my name. It's okay. <laughs> yeah, you can leave them out for this one. <laughs> I'd also say my parents. Um, 
my mom, she was actually one of the first um, people to graduate college. She is a go-getter. She takes care of her family, her mom, her dad, her sisters. Um, and I just saw her always grinding. Like, there's not a day that I ever saw my mom not working. My mom also went to school. Um, so she was always grinding. And then my dad also... Um, he at first like when I was born he stayed with me so my mom could work took care of me um, but he also went to school he got his associates and then he um, became a correctional officer so I just saw their work ethic um, and like Balan also said they very very um, very like hardworking but also drilled in that um, that education side they really wanted me to have an education because um, from where they were from and how they grew up um, in Colombia, that was the only way to get out of that. And I don't know if you know, um, like um, my mom and your grandma, and, um, they grew up in like a small like pueblito in Colombia where there wasn't even like a hospital. And what they city had, was that? Um, Sucre. Okay. Uh, there wasn't even a hospital there. They would have to travel like at like hours just to get to a hospital so um there was times where they didn't even have like food to eat you know um so just seeing like where they are now and where they like grew up in and then also my dad too i mean he he grew up in colombia in the 80s like the escobar era, like, right you know um so i admire my parents very much um i know that they have always tried um their best um, and to lead me in the light, in the right path. I also went to school. I also graduated from college. I went to URI. I um, got my bachelor's in, um, in um, science and health studies with a concentration in business administration. Um, and I guess that um, field also kind of helped me because um, not only did I learn like about the health field, I also had a lot of like business courses. So it was a very, um, I, it, I dabbled in a, like a whole lot of different things. Um, so entrepreneurs do. Yeah, I sure. mean, while I was in college, I was bartending, selling stuff. I was, I always had it like in me, I guess, but I just never really like went out and um, tried to be an entrepreneur just because like. It's like the should be aura like, around it, like oh. Yeah, yeah, like oh, is that what you really want? I mean, even when I first started um getting into real estate um and like flipping and stuff like that, like my mom was like, "When are you gonna get a real job?" Mm -mm. because she didn't understand it but now she sees it and now she supports it and she's like oh wow like you know i think they do it because they're face, uh, afraid for us they're just like, a, yeah they're just afraid that you know it's gonna be a what, big fail a big fail like what if this happens what if that happens and then my dad um also like when i when i sold my first house he was like super upset he's like why would you sell your first your first home like da da da, -da. so proud of you like you're so independent like, you're one of the first people, like, at such a young age to own a house. Like, why would you do that? At such a young age to own all the houses you now and own. Now, and now I own all of these properties. And now he's saying, he's like, I don't even care, yo. Like, <laughs> she said she's going to go buy this. I don't even say nothing. I just stay shut because I come back and I look at it and it's just something different. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, like, they're always super supportive. I know, like, they were scared for me. But, like, I'm their first kid and I'm my mom's only kid. So you know yeah they're scared they want you to see you they want to see yeah. me succeed and um i'm, I'm trying to do that build I, wealth I, so that it. build wealth so that um i can give back to them for everything that they've done for me
100 percent yeah that's where it comes full i circle. think that's what our responsibility is to, to yeah. not to, to that whole give back idea but to be successful and to do something with the the opportunities that they provided us through all their hard work and their dedication and what they did in their life to yeah. get us to this i'd also have to say that my my inspiration is also my grandfather um rest in peace and my grandma because they also um had a big influence on me because my parents are such hard workers. Um, there was times where, you know, they're the ones that were taking care of me and raising me, um, and instilling me a lot of values. Mm -hmm. Um, and my grandparents were also very hardworking people. Um, my grandfather built houses in Columbia, so maybe that's where I get it from too. He had like a soap business. He he was just an entrepreneur, always trying to um, find a way to provide for his family. And then my grandma, um, when they came out here, she worked at like every factory in CF. <laughs> so yeah, I just have a whole entire family of a very hardworking people. Oh, um, for sure. We have a cousin for everything. Everything. We have doctors. Everything. We have... Um, People in jewelry stores. Jewelry stores. Yeah. Literally priests, preachers. <laughs> literally everything. Anything you could think of. Like, there's probably somebody in our family. Yeah, your like, family's You big. have financial advisors. You have, like... You Fine, even, like... Even, like, extended family. Like, people that actually work, like, for the city of CF. Like, fire marshals and, like, public works and, like... <laughs> I heard that too. Yeah, that, I heard, was I was like, what is that? <laughs> Probably my cousin fixing something. <laughs> <laughs> and often my family's huge on both sides. Yeah. But um you when she said that uh her mom's like get a real job, you said so what's your thought process when you hear that, Milano? When someone's like get a real job. Getting away from the W two job was the most freeing experience I've ever ex experienced in my entire life. Um Yeah, so can I just come back full circle to that? You're talking about full getting away from the W two we left off, I cut you off before, engineering transition to now the Bellano team. So how did that process happen? And I guess they can go one to two with the uh, transitioning from W2 to yourself. Yeah. So I uh, actually doubled up for a number of years. Uh, I don't remember how many at this point, but I just quit the Navy six or seven-ish months ago. I want to say about six. Um, but I was doing both for about four and a half years, maybe five years where I would get out of work and I would go to showings or I would go to meetings or I would have meetings at my house. Um, and then I would put the kids down or whatever. And then I don't know, go and work till like two, three, four in the morning. Cause I was doing my own marketing from Photoshop. Um, I don't know. It, it, it was just like a nonstop thing where I would just work hours after hours after hours and I would constantly get this thing said to me, this is a little off topic, but I would constantly get you told, oh, oh you're, um, you're doing too much, you're doing too much, you're doing too much. Like, when are you going to take a break? It's like, why don't you go take a break? You're tired. Like, I'm cool. Yeah. I'm chilling. I'm, I'm doing what I love right now. And there's an end goal. Like, I'm going to get out of this in a, in a few years. And nobody wanted to listen, but I had my heart set on it. And I knew what I wanted. And um, when it came time, I was just like, you know something? Forget this job. And uh, it worked out because it was all around the COVID stuff. Um, so we had just gotten out of, uh, working from home for about two years. And then when they were about to have us start coming back, I thought about it and I was just like, nah, I'm good. And I turned it down. I mean, there's another piece to it, but I can't put it on this podcast. Um, but it has to do with my personal life where yeah, that so, so like, that's a big thing we talked about on the podcast before with Natalia, like if any person who's successful now, people are there for you and they celebrate your accomplishments now, but they weren't there when you're grinding, when you're hitting the, the gym at four o'clock in the morning, you know? When Kobe's putting up those shots, when, you know, 
Connie's doing the stuff in the, the studio. No one's seeing that struggle. Mm -hmm. You know, like your aspect, Natalia's, mine. No one's seeing that. That's the, the grind. They're there and you're like, oh, damn. They're, they're going lucky. on trips a lot. Damn. They're lucky. Yeah. Oh, they must yeah. be so lucky. They think that we wake up like this. I get it all the time. Oh, you, you go. Oh, you just came back from Miami? Wow. You, you're lucky. It's like, yeah, I'm lucky. Yeah. Took me fucking that long to get to this point. I was enjoying myself and have. A budget that I follow. Sorry, I'm, I'm lucky. Yeah, that shit like Loki pisses me off. People say that type of shit. Yeah, because um, there's no luck to it. No, there's just hard work, like we, and dedication. It just didn't fall on our lap. We all have the same. Like every single one of us, every single one of you watching this, every single one of us sitting in this shit. We have the same exact opportunities crossing our path every single day. What we don't do is slow down and educate ourselves so that way we understand what those opportunities are that are crossing our path. We could all be in the same stocks right now. We could all be in crypto the same way right now. We could all be in real estate the same way right now. No matter where I, like we all came from tougher backgrounds. We didn't yeah. come from a bunch of money and yet we're all sitting here doing it. Um, so it's like you have the opportunity. You just have to get off your soapbox and push yourself out there to grind out and do it. And is it going to be easy? Nah, it's going to be hard every damn day. Every day you got to wake up, you got to put your shoes on, you can put your clothes on, not in that order and get out there and grind. Um, so anyways, yeah, that's my little motivational like, moment. You know, people, uh, you know, the biggest thing for a lot of people is fear too. That mm -hmm. overcome that fear of failing. Like, you know, like your parents are trying to, they were scared for you failing. Never mind you know, themselves and lots of lot Never of mind things. them. How yeah. about me? Exactly. A lot of people have that fear <laughs> for themselves. Oh, so I'm like. fucking terrified. A hundred percent. People are like, oh, how terrified do you do for you. Yeah. <laughs> how'd you open up your own business? How are you doing this? Bro, you're going to be scared. You're always going to be nervous. Yeah. Always. You just got to say, fuck it. Just go for it. it, never, it I feel like it doesn't get easier either. Yeah, I just faced it again today. I had to make a decision on whether or not to bring a new program into the team or not. And I uh, said, screw it. Let's do it. So, I mean, it's a constant thing you're going to keep facing. You just got to be able to analyze the situation, determine what's the right answer, and just close your eyes and go. Analyze first, close your eyes, make that leap, and then make it happen. 100%. Yeah. Like, uh, I love seeing, like, and reading Mark Cuban. And Mark mm -hmm. Cuban said that he has more failures, even to this day, than he does uh, successes. All day. He's like, I'm always failing. He doesn't give a shit. No. But you would never know unless, you'll never have these successful businesses unless he had the failures that came with it. See, we're taught um, through school that failure is, is garbage. And, that, and if you fail, then it makes you less of a person because you're getting Fs, you're getting Ds, you're getting Cs. But in reality, all that's BS. It's it's Because when you get into entrepreneurial world, our failures create those lessons that create that wealth, that create those those wins because you just you keep doing this small analytical failures and then eventually they build up to something positive and boom you just make it happen yeah for sure yeah. so you said you have three children so if they came up to you and were like hey dad you know what the college route isn't for me what's their mindset on that then um i it's really up to them they get to choose what they want to do my goal as a father is to educate them myself on life on what it means to be a man what it means to be a worker what it means to be in all these different fields so i want them to understand finance people that have money they talk about financial things at the dinner table i want to bring that to it um the way i was raised wasn't like that but that's what i want my kids to have uh sales marketing interpersonal relationships, psychology, philosophy, everything on the table I want to make sure that they're into so when they get older, they can make the decision. If they want to go be an artist, go for it, man. Just be the best at what you do. Like we hear on YouTube all the time, whatever you do, put 100% into it. Otherwise, don't do it. Mm -hmm. Follow your passion, do it 100%, and you're going to be fine. Yeah, no, for sure. You definitely have to be passionate about what you're doing, yeah. for sure. Well, that's my thing with my kids. Yeah. I love that. No, for sure. Yeah, so um, speaking of passions... 
So I did not know you were the man behind Exposure. So how did that even come about? Because that's still running to this date. Yes, sir. I know uh, yeah. a whole bunch of people are into it. So that's an accomplishment in itself. That could be in your LinkedIn because that's a, it's a, it's a big part of your right now. It's a big part of the culture for, you know, the dancers, the Hispanic culture at, you know, at URI is a big, it's kind of like the well, frat for like Spanish people at URI at this point. It wasn't uh, meant to be. Oh, so yeah. So what was your motivation? Like the right, mindset behind so it? one thing I've always admired in, in life and in people is diversity and all the power behind it. Um, I always thought that bringing people together and bringing to people with different minds and different backgrounds into one room created um, just a lot of beautiful things. And so when I was at URI, I joined a few different programs, and one of them was Lhasa. Um, shout out to Lhasa. You guys are awesome. But at that time, Lhasa was just doing like a lot of hip-hop parties and such. And I felt like they weren't doing anything to bring um, knowledge to the Latin culture. And so I started bringing some of my ideas. It was combated towards. And so I was just like, you know something? I'm done. I'm going to go somewhere else. So I left, and I went and I uh, was talking to my sister's ex at the time, and we realized that um, bringing a group that would do something that's more multicultural would be a nice thing. So I don't know how it came to fruition, but I just ran with it one day and said, um, we started with this group called El Sosensual. It was a Latin dance group that was part of Lhasa at first. And then um, for whatever reason, when that whole relationship broke down, the next year I came out and I said, you know something, I'm going to do exposure. And we're going to do Latin, Cape Verdean, hip hop, belly dancing, African music or African style dance. Um Gosh, what else was there? We had everything when I was there. But the idea was to bring all these different people from all these different walks of life into this one room. And if there's one thing that we all have common between us, is this our heartbeat. doesn't matter your blood, whatever. Like There's all those other differences, but we all have that heartbeat. The same thing in music. We all have that music that interlinks us with one another. And um, I felt like that was a great way to bring people together. Because at the same time, at that time, there was a lot of, um, there was a lot of crap going on with uh, racism and... Some kid had just died. I can't remember his name. But at URI? No, no, no. At a, in another state. Oh. Um, but I the, wanted to bring everybody Florida, together. They're doing in Florida. I don't remember. Um, it was so Javon long Javon Martin, right? Javon? No, it was no? before that. Um, I'm not um, sure then, yeah. But, um, but yeah, no, like, there was just a lot happening. And I, I wanted to bring light to a very dark time. Um, fraternities, which were primarily white at the time, the, the organizations which were primarily cultural, they would never intermingle with each other. And so my goal with Exposure was to bring all that together, which is where I brought up the Bing Bang. Um, so I was walking around one night with uh, Sulianette Sanchez, rest in peace. Um, she passed away shortly after a lot of this all happened. But um, she's a big reason why Exposure even exists too. So I mean, big shout out to her. But uh, we were walking around what's called Dance Till Dawn. It was an EDM uh, dance party. Um, and why, we were like, why don't we have this? Like, why don't we not, as cultures, like, have this ability to do this 10 p.m. to 6 a.m.? And that's where the, the beginning of Exposure started. She helped me put that together. I mean, a Big Bang started. We, she helped me put that together. Where we had a room for hip-hop music, Latin music, Cape Verdean. We had rock bands, and we had uh, EDM DJs, like, from 10 p.m. till 6 a.m. Wow. Yeah, it was nuts. We brought 850 people. Wow. Claudia, um, now Ramirez. Um, she was a big part of that as well. She's uh, in. She's also a realtor, and she works with me on uh, this group called NAREP, which is the National Association of Hispanic Real Estate Professionals, and she works on the marketing committee with me. Um, I'm the marketing director there, but oh, nice she's from Exposure. She used to help me bring all these people together, and she ran a lot of these events by herself like that with uh, all 75 other people that were on the the organization that's so amazing that's fire bro yeah man i, I, I had no dope. idea that you were, were behind that so how do you feel like what's like your mindset now that it's still running up and going so like how do you i'm feel? proud of them 
Yeah. Yeah. Like you got to let go of control in life, right? Like you got to let people be people. And um, my whole goal was culture and to have all the different cultures represented to the best of our ability, like no matter what was on the team, but new generations take over. You got to let them do their thing and find the figure out their own way. And they've chosen to go about it their own way. And um, it's beautiful for what it is. You know, for sure. Man. That's cool. Like you have that everlasting like legacy. Yeah. You're arrived. Yeah. Who, who might not even I have know. random I people stop out. me. What do you say? I have random people stop me sometimes. They're like, you, aren't you that guy from that group? I'm like, oh, really? What group? <laughs> like exposure. I'm like, oh my God, I forgot about that. Thank God. You're talking about another one. <laughs> <laughs> you should have a statue outside of URI. Outside the library. Bolano's going to be up there. <laughs> so, I don't know about that. And just it's, dancing. And then dancing. Little, <laughs> literally, just like yeah. with the girl, like <laughs> salsa. You and the girl. You and that girl. Yeah, for those salsa. of you that don't know, I'm also a dancer, so. Yeah. Salsa well, that's why I was dancing in my chair earlier. <laughs> like a weirdo. It's a shout out to Bolano. <laughs> I see my party, though, so I'm just dancing. I'm like, yo, this guy must be have the craziest like workouts of all time. He's just sweating. Just dancing for three hours in a row. He has not taken yeah, a I'm not break. doing that anymore. <laughs> I go to the, some of these places now and uh, like two, three songs and I'm like. <sighs> oh, my inhaler, quick. It's all that I'm playing though. He, he be looking like it's not a sweat. He be like oh. breaking it down. I'm like, okay, bro. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you, from I was at a party, two hours. I'm like, God damn. This guy's yeah. getting tired. <laughs> Shit. I'm tired of looking at him. <laughs> so he's just. Old, older age to that point you know it's not it's not for me no more no it's uh, uh just life just being a dad having all the other things going on it's a lot of stress um oh, sure. so it's just trying to cope with it trying to get sleep uh trying to find that balance and it's it's hard after you have kids and when you love your kids and like really want to be there for them and do right by them you wake up and i don't know you just think like am i gonna go do this or am i gonna go do that and my health usually ends up going second which it shouldn't but that's a story for another day as well <laughs> but the, but don't let, them, don't let them fool you, though. If there's a, a night out, you're going to go out and dance, yeah. though. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll tear up the floor a little bit. Oh, you'll tear it up, baby. Let's get it. <laughs> yeah, so, um, you know, we've been going for about an hour now. Oh, jeez, really? Yeah, time flies by when you're having a good time. So um, do you have any lasting words for closing words you want to say to anybody who's thinking about reaching out to Bolano along these lines? Oh, you should definitely reach out to Bolano. He will definitely lead you in the right direction, and he'll help you figure out your next steps. Yeah, I appreciate it. You know, for sure. Do you have any um, any advice to those new buyers? Anything you want to say to those who are thinking about, you know, making that leap into real estate? Yeah, uh, just be patient. Don't be afraid of walking away from something you don't feel comfortable with. That goes for both people and situations. Um, and uh, just educate yourself. Uh, I don't care if you feel like you're the smartest or not smartest person in the world. Um, I am not the brightest from the way I came up, but... Um, I read a lot now, I research a lot, and it's why I'm able to offer the, the information that I have and help people in the right direction. So I also, outside of real estate, um, I've been helping mentor small businesses uh, into starting up into something else. Um, there was one person, they went from zero to $20,000 one year, $100,000 the second year, 400000 their third year. Um, so it's, I, I enjoy doing that stuff as well. So if you're ever looking for help, you're looking for a mentor, um, my stuff's right underneath me. You can contact me. My contact card's at jonathanbolano.com. Easy to get my phone number, email, and all that other jazz, all my social media. And just to be easy, it's just Bolano Team for all my social media. And baby, let's get it. Give them that follow, Bolano Team. Like you said, jonathanbolano.com. Get that mentorship. Get that leadership you need for the real estate game. He got you right here. Natalia is a firsthand witness. Um, he, 
don't know what you would call it, I guess a firsthand witness. I'm blanking out right now, but she is her his client and <laughs> she loves client. you. And, yes. and good friend. I'm a client and a good friend. And yeah, we're going to continue to do closings. We've done what, three so far four. together? Four. Four. Yes, four. Yes. Yeah. She doesn't even know. So how quick she's moving. <laughs> so end up the podcast, do you think sometimes your guys are moving so fast you don't give yourself a credit? Uh, I don't worry about that. My credit, um, yeah, I, I'm a different soul. I'll give myself that. credit when I'm where right. I want to be, right. and good, I am good, not there good. yet. Boom. So, <laughs> so um, yeah. He's got to keep working. <laughs> when we get there, that, then we'll then, celebrate. Then I'll be. Well, Kobe I'll be, said that too, I'll right? I'll be tooting my own horn. Yeah, Kobe said that where he was. Uh, some newscast person came up to him and just like, "Oh, why aren't you happy?" He's like, "Did we I'm, win the?" Did we win the championship yet? Yeah, that was like, yeah. In, that was like the Western we're Conference Finals. Yet. Right. That was the Western Conference Finals and they won. We'll, we'll, we'll like, celebrate when we're done. Yeah. yeah I, we're and like you were that. saying earlier too, like I've been t- I've been told by some people, you need to slow down. Like you need to like, I'm like, okay. Um, you slow and, down. And I, I'm like, I'm just like, okay. Then yeah, no, I got to keep working. Got to keep going. I'm nowhere close to where I want to be yet. Yeah. So. yeah. I mean, look at Tom Brady's 45 coming back to win another ring. He loves he, it. Yeah. And that's what, you know, you think he needs to come back. He doesn't need to come back. He's already the greatest quarterback of all time. But he just, it's his own personal goals that he wants to reach. And no one can tell him otherwise. And no one can tell you otherwise. No one can tell Natalia otherwise. You know, it's what you want, what you love. You know, what, what would we be doing instead of, you know, doing this right now, like you said? Mm-hmm. Watch Netflix right now. We're out here, we're grinding. You never know what might go viral, what, who we can inspire. And that's what I love to see. And so uh, make sure you follow your boy, Bolano Jonathan, Bolano.com, Bolano Team. Then Natalia Perez, The Monopoly View. Make sure you follow your boy Explore F on all social media. Run it up on YouTube, EG Pot of Thunder, TikTok, Instagram. Esh, get it, baby. Send us to the moon. And we'll be back for a part two at some point. Esh, get it, baby. Mm-hmm.